The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. Welcome. My unhidden agenda today is that I want to talk about the concept, the idea and ideals of forgiveness as we've already pointed to. How to forgive also is important to me. In the work that I am privileged to do, I'm very aware that it's really easy to get caught up in the philosophy, in the thinking about the stuff, the thinking about the spirituality. But the real work begins when we get about putting it into practice, doing the work in our own lives. And so not only do I want to talk about forgiveness and what it's about and kind of continue the message that we've been hearing thus far this morning, I also want to give some powerful solutions and possibilities for how we might get about doing this work, how we might begin, how we might begin to practice. And so my very favorite quote about forgiveness is up on the screen, and it's like, it's about forgiveness, holding on to resentments is like taking poison and hoping the other person will die. That quote I don't have attributed to anyone in particular because as I've researched it over the years, there have been so many people who've been credited with having said it. Everybody from the Buddha to Carolyn Mays to Nelson Mandela, all sorts of people have been credited with saying that or something very similar. But it resonates very much to me because it's the main thing that motivates me and invites me to consider the work of forgiveness. The understanding that as long as I'm hanging on to the toxic energy and thoughts that exist that I have about someone else in my life, no matter what they've done, I'm the one who suffers. And I've had countless awarenesses and awakening moments about the most powerful moments of my life where I realized that I was hanging on to resentment and meanwhile, the other person was just getting on with things and I was the one suffering. And so forgiveness then is all about a surrender, a release, a letting go. Now, many of us might think, well, I've done lots of personal work and I've worked on my childhood and I've worked on my my life and I have forgiven the big rocks, so to speak, my parents, my siblings, my my former lovers and partners. I have really worked to forgive them. And that's awesome. What I've noticed about my life, I'm not sure if it's true about yours, is that forgiveness really seems to be somewhat of a a daily practice for most of us. Because while we do need to do that work to forgive the past of people who've harmed us, neglected us, abused us, in some way betrayed us, We also have this daily dance that we do where you might call it uh, the act of taking things personally. When the person cuts me off on the freeway or the barista gets my drink wrong, that really bothers me a lot. Those moments where we take offense to something someone has said to us, uh, where our, our spouse, our partner, people we live with say little things and resentment builds up in us about, well, how could they say that? Criticism, people who've criticized us, who've had the audacity to say we've done something wrong or point out something about us. 
And then we have in the media now, 24-7, the opportunity to forgive the criminals, the bad people, the police officers who do bad things, the, the, uh, the terrorists, to forgive world leaders, to forgive the other political party, to forgive all sorts of people that we can allow resentment and the perception of they're just wrong to build in us. That is resentment, as toxic as it gets. All the while, many of us standing here every week on Sunday at the end of our service singing, let there be peace and let it begin with me. We don't get to have it both ways. We don't get to continue to build resentment and make wrong of anything or anyone and believe for a moment that peace can burst out on our planet. What we get to accept is that peace is built one brick at a time, one life at a time, one heart at a time as each one of us gets about the holy sacred work essentially daily, of inviting ourselves to let go of our resentments. Our reader, Melinda, quoted Desmond Tutu's book, the wonderful book of forgiving. He wrote that book uh, with his wonderful daughter, Mapo Tutu. It's called The Book of Forgiving, The Fourfold Path for Healing. They say all sorts of wonderful things in it, but one of the things that I love that is what I'm talking about right now is that until we can forgive We remain locked in our pain and locked out of the possibility of experiencing healing and freedom, locked out of the possibility of being at peace. What I want for this world, what I want for you and for me is peace. I want peace. And I know that peace comes through our willingness to daily practice Letting go, letting go of resentment, letting go of judgment, letting go of make wrong, letting go of perceived wrongs that we are continuing to feed voraciously, letting go. And so we get to do that work. Until we do that work individually and collectively, what happens is that we essentially remain trapped in that energy. We, we, we remain connected energetically to the person or persons and feeding that which we say is wrong or bad. We literally feed that energy with our resentment. The more resentment we have about what we see going on in the world, the more we are feeding it and saying, let's have more of that. Let's have more of that, please, because I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to noodle on it and I'm going to have energy about it and it gets bigger and bigger. That's not how it gets smaller. Nothing gets small as we talk about it and feed it. It's like the fire. Do you want to feed a fire with, with that which will allow it to get bigger or that which will allow it to stay peaceful and calm? And so the more we are about resentment and anger and frustration, the more we're feeding that fire, the more we're adding to it, and we remain trapped. And when we have especially people out there that we believe hold the key to our happiness from that place of if they would change or I would be able to forgive, I would be able to let go if that were different, we're trapped, we're caught, 
We're caught up in that energy. And we're building the blocks of our future with that energy, that consciousness on board. Because we're continuing to feed on that energy. Continuing to allow that consciousness to live in our awareness, to be the predominant energy that fuels our future. Catherine Ponder, the wonderful author who wrote a lot of books about prosperity, uh, says it best, I think, when she says, when you hold resentment toward another, you are bound to that person or condition by an emotional link that is stronger than steel. Forgiveness is the only way to dissolve that link and get free. The person who forgives will find a divine solution appearing. The forgiving state of mind is a magnetic power for attracting good. I pause there because I want to say that again. The forgiving state of mind is a magnetic power for attracting good. No good thing can be withheld from the forgiving state of mind. So we want more for ourselves, we want more for our world, and this this act, this work, we have to begin to accept that in the smallest ways of who have I held out of my heart today, where do I have resentment, where am I still hanging on to anger and frustration and pisosity, that's a word Michael Beckwith coined I like a lot. to how do I let go of the big broad strokes of pain and betrayal, all of that and everything in between become the genesis of this very holy, sacred, important work. Because what we're doing when we're doing this work is we are setting ourselves and our consciousness free to return to the truth of who we really are to the oneness, to the wholeness, to the empowerment of who we really are. And that is what we seek the most. We want to be made whole. And the question then becomes, will you be made whole? Will you be willing to do the work to let go, to move on? Now, we understand that we don't do this to help the other. This has nothing to do with them, really, at all. When I forgive, it's not because I'm suddenly surrendering and saying, okay, they were right. It's not about right and wrong. It's about the reclaiming of the wholeness of my being. It's not about, um, it's not about helping them or approving of their actions. It can also be with great boundaries. There's a, there are people that I have forgiven that I will say to you unequivocally, I have forgiven them and my boundary is we're not going to be best friends. We're not going to be in each other's lives. We're not going to walk hand in hand. But I've forgiven them and I have moved on. It's all about allowing ourselves to free ourselves from that energy, from that connection. And it can't be forced. So while I will stand here and passionately and enthusiastically say this work is work we can all benefit from, I recognize that each one of us has to find our way into the work. And today I just want to challenge us to to be very, very honest with ourselves about what keeps us from letting go. What might get in the way? How could I really step in and move forward with this? What gets in my way? 
One of the first things that I think gets in people's way is what I call the illusion of why. The illusion of why is this belief when I have a resentment that if I just could understand why they did that, then I could forgive. (laughs) And so we seek it out. We look for it. And sometimes we find it, and I'm not saying that it's, it's wrong or bad or incorrect to find out more about why someone did that, especially people that I live my daily life with. It helps me to have some compassion often, but the illusion of why sometimes is a trap for us, especially with people that we don't feel safe with, that we don't feel safe emotionally or physically with, who've abused us or harmed us in some way. We may never know why they've done what they've done. Uh, it's, an, it's a trap if there are people that have, have disappeared from our life that are somewhere on the planet and we don't know where, but we hold great resentment to, towards them if they've gone on to the next plane of existence and we don't know why they did what they did. And so where we get stuck sometimes is we, we say, well, because I don't know why, I can't let go. But I also know that in the instances where I have been able to discover why they did what they did, it's helped a little, but ultimately, I still had to do the work. The why didn't necessarily just melt away my resentment. The why is not some magical resentment melter. (laughs) It, It satisfies my brain a little bit, And it can satisfy my heart a little bit, but I have to eventually agree to let go and then do the work of letting go. So be careful that you're not allowing that illusion of why to keep you from doing the work. The other thing that can get in our way is we wonder, well, where does God stand in all this? If I forgive them, will there be divine justice? Will there be justice in any way, shape, or form? I'm not sure I want to forgive if there's not justice assured on the other end of that, right? (laughs) And so from a spiritual standpoint, what I've come to discover about this teaching, and indeed many teachings of the world, the Eastern teachings of the world, many of them, uh, and and the... all the teachings where people have found their way into the mystical path of oneness, what I've begun to see is that God doesn't really have much to do with forgiveness. God is an energy and a presence that unconditionally is expressing itself in, through, and as all people, all conditions It has no capacity to say, that person has done bad, I shall withhold myself from him. Any more than gravity has the ability to withhold itself from someone who's made a mistake or done something wrong. It doesn't doesn't even have that capacity at all. What we have done throughout the ages as human beings is we have what they call anthropomorphized God. We have, instead of seeking to, tr- to feel into the transcendent reality of the divine, we have lobbed onto it and projected onto it human capacities. And think, think of God as some guy in the sky who, like us, has a hard time forgiving. Who, like us, holds grudges. Who, like us, is frustrated. 
And we see the progression of that evolutionary uh, story as we look at sacred texts throughout the ages, as we look at the teachings of Jesus who came to us and brought a new idea of unconditional love from the source. But we still get caught up in that dance of separation and believing God to be somebody out there who's going to punish the wrong and reward the right. Like a little girl I saw in a parade magazine, a little girl kneeling beside her bed saying to God, now that you've forgiven me, please let the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus know. (laughs) That was me as a little girl. That was me for sure. And wanting to be sure that something out there is going to make it all right. They will get theirs, those people who have wronged me. Now, I am not saying that there isn't justice, because there is. But it doesn't come from God. It comes from the consequences of our actions. Every single one of us. Every action we take, as well as those who have hurt or harmed you or me, is met with consequences that are in direct alignment because this universe is precise. Now, that doesn't necessarily make us go, ha, 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 they're going to get theirs, ha, 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 so therefore I'll forgive. It's more like a graceful understanding there, there are consequences. Even if I don't see them, they exist for myself and for every being because any being who who withholds the, the attempts to withhold the beauty and the light and the full expression of another shall suffer from that attempt in some way, shape, or form themselves. But we don't need to let what happens to anyone else determine whether we choose to forgive. We can, of our own accord, walk a path that sets ourselves free and trust that they will find their way they will find their way. And that, that God is this power and presence of oneness that unites us when we forgive back into the oneness that we share with all creation. That we can move forward in trust and faith. Our founder, Ernest Holmes, says to us, we need to know that God holds nothing against anyone and that divine forgiveness is a necessary complement to divine givingness. Any sense of guilt we have, any burden of condemnation we shall entertain, or any mental state that weighs us down hinders us from more fully experiencing the nature of spiritual reality. This, for me, is very much akin to being a parent. I had a hard time understanding this until I became a parent. I have a son. I have two wonderful stepchildren. My heart is connected to them all. And I love them. And I particularly found, as my little baby son was in my arms, that I loved him unconditionally. And as he has grown into a, a young man, a beautiful young man, he's made mistakes. He's said things that hurt me and other people. He's made mistakes in his own life. He's made choices, and there were consequences. As his parent, I felt that a huge part of my role was to help him face the consequences of his choices with courage and strength and to help him build skills to meet those consequences. But my love has never faltered no matter what he has chosen to do. My love for that boy has never faltered. Not one single day. 
If I, little Michelle Medrano, is capable of that kind of love, don't you think God could do that to you and me? Don't you think that that which created this universe is capable of loving you beyond your mistakes and even your worst enemy beyond their mistakes? And even those people out there that you disagree with or you don't like or you think are so horrible, don't you think that the source that created us all can love in that way just as you and I can love each other in that way and love our children in that way? And so I know that that is the true north of God's love for all creation. And therefore, I know that my work is to restore myself to that true nature of myself with all other beings and build a world of peace and heaven on earth. So how, how, thank you. How? How do we set ourselves free then and get about that work? We have to love and support each other, as we've heard in the music and the, the, the words today. So one of the things that I want to offer right away and let you know that I am doing is that I'm starting a, a forgiveness marathon on Facebook. Yeah, forgiveness marathon. Yeah, it's going to be wonderful. It's already begun. I just announced it on Friday and people are jumping in like crazy and it's already begun very powerfully. So if you are on Facebook, all you have to do is look up Forgiveness Marathon and you can join. It's a public group. I'm calling it a marathon because a marathon is 26 miles. One runs or walks 26 miles. So this is 26 days from tomorrow, July 15th to August 9th, where we're going to daily commit to doing something to release ourselves from our resentments. And so there's going to be posts from myself and other people. There are already tons of memes and quotes and books and stories and songs that people are posting online. So if you are ready to do this work, join us for the marathon. And I think it'll be very, very soothing to our souls. It's an invitation. The next invitation that I offer is to consider reading the book that we have been quoting this morning by Desmond Tutu, a powerful, powerful book. That book is really a a workshop in a way. Uh, They invite you to get a journal and, and, and select a little stone to carry with you and they have you do the fourfold path. There's four steps to forgiveness. Melinda outlined them when she did the reading today. She actually read the four steps that they take you through. And so that book is a very powerful book as well as many other books out in the world that you'll see on the Facebook page or if you just go uh, look in bookstores or online for forgiveness books and videos, this is a subject that is powerfully present in our world, an understanding from all walks of life and all traditions of how important it is. I also point us to the wonderful teachings of Jesus, the master teacher, who, who talked to Peter, especially when Peter came to him in Matthew 18, 21 to 22. And Peter said to him, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And Jesus says, and he, oh, and Peter says, till seven times. And Jesus saith to him, I say not unto you until seven times, but until 70 times seven. 
So one technique that many teachers teach for forgiveness is to spend time each day writing out 70 affirmations of forgiveness. Some of us have split it up in the 35 in the morning and 35 at night or 70 all at once to forgive ourselves. I remember one time really being aware of, of some resentment I was holding against myself, some things that I was thinking that I was really messing up, that I wasn't in integrity about, and some ways that I wasn't in integrity in a relationship, and writing out 70 times for seven days, I, Michelle Madrano, forgive myself. I, Michelle Madrano, and wrote it out. Boy, did I have cramps in my hands, but... It was well worth it because at the end of that seven days, there was, there was an opening. There was greater wisdom. There was a deeper understanding. And I continued on with that as I persisted in and then forgiving other people and writing it out. I, Michelle, forgive so-and-so for thus and such 70 times seven. And I know people who this is part of their regular daily practice. And it's an energetic that Jesus talked about so many years ago that many people have taken and utilized in their work on a daily basis. Here's a radical idea. Praying for the one who has wronged us. Yeah, that is a really radical idea. And yet, it's completely in alignment with what we're talking about here in terms of returning the integrity, the spiritual integrity between us and another person. In, in having that become something that, that is intact again, the connection, that yes, at a human level, it gets messy. At a human level, we hurt each other. At a human level, we make mistakes. At a spiritual level, we are one. At a spiritual level, we can often look when we do the work of 70 times seven or we do the work of the the fourfold path or we do any kind of work to unravel that and we can begin to see with a greater sight into the blessings even that have showed up because of the challenges that we faced, who we've become because of those challenges or what has evolved in our life because of it. And so sometimes a prayer for the, the one when we're ready for, it, when it's time, a prayer to send love and a connection from a spiritual standpoint, from that transcendent place, can be very powerful. Sending love and light changes my consciousness about what occurred and changes my consciousness about that person. Because remember, as long as I persist in believing that that person has hurt me, and every time I think about it, they continue to hurt me. Until I let it go, not only do I continue to be hurt over and over and over by my own thoughts, but I continue to plant that idea in mind on my behalf and am a match for more of it. If that's not motivation enough to let it go, I don't know what is. (laughs) Because I want more good in my life. I want to be free of this kind of thing. And so I learn to step up and let it go. And there are some specific ways that we can pray. We can do our form of prayer here, spiritual mind treatment. I remember when Matt Kahn was here in in March and he talked about this very simple idea of simply wishing someone else joy, a joyful life, that they live the life of joy, that they are 
wanting to live. Just sending that wish out disconnects that negative energy in a very profound spiritual way. The Buddhists practice the loving kindness prayer. That's a beautiful prayer where I, I think of someone and I, I send them loving kindness. And I might even affirm it. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. May you be peaceful and at ease. May you be happy. And if I'm working to forgive myself, may I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I be peaceful and at ease. May I be happy. There's one more prayer that I came across a number of years ago that I'm sure many of you have heard about. When I first heard of it, I wasn't so sure. I thought maybe it was a little bit cray-cray, to tell you the truth. (laughs) It was a story of a Hawaiian psychiatrist named Dr. Len, who was working in a prison that was for the criminally insane. The conditions in this prison, horrible. Horrible, violent. Prisoners, many of them, needing to be shackled and completely out of control. The staff and the other doctors didn't want to be there. The absenteeism at work was very strong, and when people did come to work, they just felt so stressed and unsafe. And he wanted to change that environment. And he wasn't sure how. So the story goes that he began to consider the possibility of doing a very beautiful ancient Hawaiian practice on these patients. And all he did was he started taking their file each day and going through each one's file, reading their history, reading their behaviors, reading their diagnoses, and began doing this process. And feeling into the connection from that transcendent place of oneness that he had with them. And then when he felt complete with it, he'd put their file away. And he did this with every patient. He never saw any one of them personally. This is all he did, apparently. And after a bit of time patients began to get well. Their diagnoses began to to shift. They began to be more functional. Uh, Those who'd been shackled often could be taken out of the shackles and could be uh, powerful citizens of the prison. The doctors and the staff began to feel more safe. Absenteeism dropped. Eventually, the prisoners began to be able to be released either into other programs to finish their sentence out or began to be able to be released back into society. And eventually, there were more staff than there were prisoners, and the prison was closed. And again, I thought this was just a bunch of woo, maybe, or woo-woo, for that sake. But then I read about it and saw that Dr. Lin was was for reals, that he existed. And he now has written and is speaking and talked on uh, YouTube, and the history of this has been corroborated. And the prayer process that he was doing is called Ho'oponopono. It's a very simple process. We have it here. He was looking at these prisoners' dossier and he was saying in four simple steps, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. I'm sorry to me equates, as I think about the people that I might have resentment about, I'm sorry 
that I have continued to hold resentment towards you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me, rises me up into my own awareness of my oneness. Thank you acknowledges that if you have been in my life and we have had an interaction, whether I deem it to be pleasant or unpleasant, there is something here for both of us and I thank you for what I have gained from it. And I love you is the truth that lives between our souls. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. People have used this very simple process to heal hurts across the miles of people that they haven't seen for years or have used it to heal the, pe- the relationship between the people they live with. Some even use it, I've heard, to heal their relationship with their own body as they step into the awareness of their body saying, you know, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Ho'oponopono. It's based in spirit. Ernest Holmes, our founder, says to us, forgiveness means reconciliation in spite of estrangement. It means reunion despite hostility. It means acceptance of those who have been unacceptable. It means reception of those who are rejected. And I think that's what Dr. Lee did with those patients. And I think that's what you and I can do in our lives with anyone if we choose to. So as we close this part of our service today, I'm going to invite you, if it feels right, to think about either yourself, your body, something you think you've done, some other person in your life that you want to be forgiven by or you want to forgive. And as we do our prayer work today, we're going to start by just going through these statements and saying them aloud together. And so I invite our practitioner prayer partners and ministers in the room to stand. And I invite us to take a deep breath together and have that person or persons in mind that we might be willing to acknowledge this with. And let's say together, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Breathing in the very breath of life. Accepting this deep truth of connection. God, the one life, the one mind, the source, that infinite one that circulates and emanates and expresses through all things, through all people, in all relationships. We choose it over resentment. We choose it as the peaceful presence that unites our soul with itself and all others. We choose God. We choose love. We choose joy. We choose peace. And the methodology that we can use to choose over and over again is forgiveness, is letting go, is this or any process that we've discussed this day that returns us back to that truth of love that lives between us and all souls forever and ever. And so I declare that each one of us goes forth this day living in and with the courage, the spiritual courage to continue this process in some way, shape, or form in our lives to heal for our benefit and the benefit of all others. 
We choose peace. We choose love. We choose forgiveness. And so with great love and light and confidence that this is so in our being right here and right now, I release this word. I release this prayer into the action of that law that makes it so. We let it go. We let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720-230-1404 or visit us at milehighchurch.org.